Welcome to X-Files Podcast, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to heal from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new single life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. Welcome to another episode of X-Files, dear listeners. I hope that you are having a great week. And if you are working through putting a breakup behind you, I am sending you so much strength for the days ahead. Today, I am continuing my Sexual Health Awareness Month series with an absolutely beautiful interview. I am honored to be sharing the wisdom of Melissa Louise with you today. Melissa, pronouns she and her, is a leading pleasure advocate, an erotic blueprint coach, and sex, intimacy, and relationship expert. She supports women to reclaim their divine birthright to feel alive, orgasmic, and turned the fuck on no matter what their age or relationship status. And she supports men to be more attractive, powerful, trustworthy, make more money, and find freedom by lasting longer in bed. How cool is that? You can find her on Instagram at The Pleasure Studio. You can find more of her information in my show notes. Melissa is a truly magnetic human, and I'm so thrilled to share our conversation with you, and I am so thrilled to have connected with her. A couple things before I begin. First, Melissa has a special course starting soon, Claim Your Eroticism, an Erotic Blueprints program. Please go and check it out. I am sure some of you out there would be transformed by working with her. And if you are single right now, which I know a lot of you are, this is the time. Second, later in the episode, Melissa and I talk about ethically sourced gems. Melissa recommends Sacred Lotus for a fantastic option. You can find them on Instagram at sacredlotus.yonirituals, and the website is in the show notes. Please take note of a discount code for my listeners. If you use the discount code Melissa Louise, you will receive 20% off your order. It is really important that we know where our gems and our stones are coming from. So please take note of this and let me know what you think. 
And last, you will hear Melissa and me talk about the erotic blueprints, and you will hear me promise to report back about my own type. Although I expected I was a shapeshifter, which you will hear Melissa describe, <laughs> I'm in fact a sensual type. I look forward to learning more about using this information to have an even more joyous sexual experience. And with that, on to the show. Hi, Melissa. How are you feeling this afternoon? Oh my goodness. I am so well. I'm so well. <laughs> Thank Welcome you. Welcome to X-Files. I've been looking forward to sharing you with my audience. I definitely felt a connection with you when we met on 50 Shades of Bullshit about a month ago. Mm -hmm. My friend Christine show, who's also a co-host of the show. So that was really neat. And our discussion was way too short. I, I also know that. <laughs> I mean, we were just starting to get not even through the tip of the iceberg on some of this when we had to stop because hers, her show is a different format. Um, so I, I was glad that we could come back and dive deeper into one of my favorite topics. So thank oh, you honey. so much for making the time. Yeah. So my pleasure. And with my work, we always go deeper. Yeah, I know. I was thinking in my mind, come on, Janice, think of a double entendre really quick. So I love it. Well, and that is the perfect way to start this out. Uh, as I was telling you, you know, I record a little intro, but I really thought it would be a shame to not hear directly from you about what is a pleasure advocate and mm. what do you see as your role as a pleasure advocate? My role is the queen. <laughs> no, oh, I can relate. That's mind. my role. Excuse me, Dom Queen. <laughs> I love it. No. Um, I call myself a pleasure advocate because I, you know, I'm a sex and uh, intimacy coach, erotic blueprint coach, relationship coach, and it all comes down to our human biology that our pleasure is fucking important sorry I didn't ask I'm I'm a bit of a sailor <laughs> it's um in 18 and over oh. show we are oh. marked explicit oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, for asking and but totally go for it fact. nothing's off limits <laughs> <laughs> um so yes our, our pleasure is absolutely non-negotiable we live in a culture we live our culture lives in a society that is so hell-bent on keeping us in a cortisol driven based existence which works really well for many different parts of our culture which is the medical society the the paying tax society the like you know the depression society it's all based mm. on cortisol living pleasure is the way that our bodies and innate and naturally uh, designed to get rid of cortisol out of our body. So I can go down to this, you know, down the scientific, you know, realm of without pleasure, we're basically just dying. We're existing and dying every day because we're living on cortisol. Well, um, if you don't mind, I would love for you to maybe mm, just say in a nutshell what that means. Okay. Because, so when, yeah. no, go ahead. So when our body's being run on cortisol, especially for the feminine, um, our bodies work our hormone system works really differently than the masculine. We also have different hormones that make up our, our structure. So the female body works differently. We're governed by the moon. Uh, the way that our hormones get reset is through orgasm, through pleasure, and our levels of testosterone are 
fucking lot lower than the men's, like up to 13 to 15% we have of the masculine's amount of testosterone. So as soon as we finish using our testosterone, uh, we are now running on cortisol. So in general terms, that is by 9.30 in the morning, <laughs> women are running on cortisol for the rest of the day, rest of the week, rest of the month, for that decade, da 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 da, da. Mm-hmm. And if we have a look at our uh, medical system, we have more hospitals, more doctors, we have more pharmacies, we have more medication available to our modern-day existence, which if no one really sits and looks at that, it's like we've all got our fucking heads in the sand like an ostrich. Yeah. We're meant yeah. to have this modern-day society that is so fucking ill and it always comes down to the root cause of stress and cortisol now when you also look at a man's body and function the sexual function it's you can build and build and build like you can keep on taking herbs you can do a hundred squats and deadlifts every day to build testosterone if your body is high in cortisol that testosterone can't go anywhere like it's we need to flush cortisol out of the out of the body we need to be resetting the hours that we are demanded to to work the days we're demanded to work the way that we live in a trauma-based society of raising children with two parent or one parent in a house and the fact that our food security our shelter security our happiness security is based on our soul actions we need to build 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 we are community-based human that's our existence is from community-based we are erotic beings we are birthed into a human body which is an erotic being the basis of that is erotic being which means pleasure is at the core and yet it's vilified, demonized, it's been taken over by religion, not spirituality. Religion has, you know, made sure that the feminine is is guilty for existing. And we can, I mean, this is a three-hour discussion around all of this. Well, you know but, what, um, it doesn't have to be our only episode, but I, I, you're, you're doing great. And this is so fascinating. And yeah, you're, you're right. This, I mean, this encompasses your life's work, right? So there is a lot to, a lot to share. Be a pleasure advocate is actually the advocate of our health, our wealth, and our well-being. And when I say wealth, yes, that does include what we have in existence currently, which is currency, money, yet the wealth of our relationships, the wealth of our rest, the wealth of our living conditions, the wealth of our community is all centered around pleasure. Thank you so much. I I am someone who talks a lot about leading a desired led life. And I think that you really, mm. uh, you know, embody that. And I think for some, for you to advocate for someone else's pleasure does also take them advocating for themselves, which yes. is something that came up when we first met. And that was this question around something that you and I understand, but that not a lot of people do, which is, what does it mean to be responsible for our own pleasure, both as a single person who's not necessarily involving somebody else, but also as somebody who is having partnered sex, still being responsible for their own pleasure? What does that mean to you? I guess in layman's terms. <laughs> mm, this is, I love this question. <sighs> our own pleasure our own happiness, our own orgasmic existence is not indicative of another. When it is indicative of another, when we're handing our responsibility over to someone else, we're leaving 
our happiness up to someone else's desire, someone else's stress level, someone else's ability to be available, which means you just handed your life over to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, We are raised that way, especially as a feminine, like our body's there for a man's pleasure. I mean, the way I was raised in the Christian culture is, is that your, also too, if you, if you're dating and being single and you, you go on a, on a date and you start, you know, getting intimate with someone, there are eight, over 8 billion people on the planet. (laughs) That one person out of 8 billion that's sitting in front of you, who you're one out of 8 billion, they cannot guess how your body works. How do you rise to orgasm? This is another thing that we've fed in the medical society. How does orgasm work? Like it has arousal, then, you know, a a plateau orgasm refractory. That is one type of orgasm in the male body. It's not how the female body arrives to orgasm. Plus they're just talking about one type of orgasm in the male body. There's more than right. I have had that, but there's certainly a wider range. Of course. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, (laughs) Uh, but it's not the extent. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we're handing, it's also too, how well-versed is that person? Is it part of your interview process, interview, part of your dating process to inquire about how they come to orgasm? Do they self-pleasure? Do they take care of themselves? Do they know anything about the female body? Like it astounds me the amount of people that are willing to to get naked with each other and allow entrance of a genital inside of their body. And they haven't even asked a person if that person knows what they're doing. It's like you wouldn't give your car, Uh you're not going to hand your Porsche, which we are, over to someone just because they're able to hold the keys, which you hand them. Like, do you, like, do they have a license? Do they know how to drive? (laughs) Would you ask someone ahead of getting intimate with them to suss some of this out? I mean, I think for me, even I can tell if a person's sensual, I can tell Mm -hmm. by how they kiss, how, how curious they are about me, but I don't know that I've ever really had a conversation with someone ahead of time about I mean, I don't even know what I would ask if, if, if you mm. don't mind. I mean, what are you really talking about here? And this is really cool too. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the questions vary and it's also a sense of play. Like it's not that you go, you know, I mean, being an erotic blueprint coach, it also depends. Is that person energetic? Can you feel like they're going to shut down if you go gotcha. too fast? Okay. Is the person sensual? If someone's really sexual or kinky, there's all of these different ways that they're going to be communicating, hopefully, if they feel safe in the container where they're speaking with you. It's inquiry. Like, why not inquire? What are you into? Um, as a oh, woman... Yes. Oh my goodness, as a woman, I definitely want to know how long he can last. I'm not allowing someone to masturbate yep. inside of me. You do that at home fucking three times yeah. a day. And you're I right. I think that this can him. be playful and mm. something that a man, everybody would love to hear from someone who they're interested in, right? What are you into? Like, hello. What are you into? <laughs> what works for you? What, um, if this happens, what can I do for you? If you had it all your way, how would you like... If you, you know, and you can even play role play. Okay, just imagine we've walked into the bedroom and we have three hours ahead of us. If you had it all your way, what would you like to happen? How would you like to please me? How would you like me to please you? Now, if you're asking these, especially if you're across, you know, across the table at dinner and you're using, you know, playful language and you're being seductive and that person goes, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a it, that's a red yeah. flag. In, mm-hmm. in not saying like blow them off, it's like, oh, 
So, oh, I'm picking something. Are you comfortable in speaking about this? Mm. And what are the reasons for that? And then that's your boundary. It's like, honey, I really appreciate that you're uncomfortable at talking about it, but this is really important to me. Yeah. I have someone that I'm seriously going to ask that three hour question <laughs> to like today. I am not joking. I love that. This is so brilliant. I love that you're so practical and I, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm use sexy that. practical. I may be practical, but <laughs> yes. I'm freaking sexy about it. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I guess I just like to always give information that people can, mm-hmm. can use. And I, I enjoy that question a lot. And this, this actually comes directly back to, something else that came up when we met and something that I hear, I guess, more from women than men, mm-hmm. although, you know, we do have male listeners and they better be listening to, to this, <laughs> what I'm about to say right Sit now, down, honey, <laughs> <laughs> I hear women, female friends telling me that when they are intimate and sexual with someone that they don't pay attention to her needs, that they st- kind of try to move things sexually in a direction that they're not comfortable with, that they feel it becomes laborious. To me, I know that this is because one of the reasons being that they're not, neither neither of them are speaking their needs and also that nobody can read your mind. But what would you say to someone who feels that sexual chemistry and compatibility is about your partner intuiting what you want in bed? Well, intuiting is a really interesting, I mean, to be intuitive about someone's needs means that you know them. It means you've been taught. It means you've been shown the way. So if you're, if you are in the very first days of dating, but you've given, this is the other thing. If you've given information, you've shared information and the responses that you've received are not what you need this is your responsibility. You're responsible for your own pleasure. If you're not receiving the response, you don't feel safe. I mean, we can get into neuroscience of what happens in the female brain if she doesn't feel safe. And safety is, you haven't heard me, safety is, oh, um, okay, I didn't realize that was going to happen so quickly. But you're not saying anything about it. You're also handing your experience over to the other person then getting pissed off about it. So it's like, well, honey, if you didn't have the boundary, if you didn't get up and you didn't walk out, and you stayed there, you've just handed it over to that person. So you're also responsible for not saying something that is not going into, we have a whole culture around, yes, the masculine is often much bigger. Yes. Women are raised to be afraid of men in those situations. Many situations will not go into hurtful things. Like men are not generally, you know, horrible, (laughs) horrible human beings that are out to hurt women, but often women have that in the back of their brain. So this, I can say these things, And it is also deeper. I completely understand that. Um, But the person in front of you is not the person that, you know, you felt scared of 15 years ago, but we still act from that. So that does equate to a lot of silence. The fact of being intuitive is like, is that really fucking fair? Are you intuitive about what they need? Do you know how to (laughs) make their heart? Do you know how to like to, to, you know, is he into anal? Do you know that? You didn't ask, but Did you just you ask. Yeah. He's not, but you didn't ask, but you mm-hmm. expect him to know what to do with your pussy. It's kind of like, yeah, it's not, it's, to me, it's a cop-out. I'm going to get really honest. It's a bit of a cop-out. 
Well, it makes me sad when I get the question or when I hear about these stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how unfair, yeah. I, this is also, oh my God, I'm, I'm the biggest advocate for men. I know it sounds like ah, at the moment, but what are men geared to do? They're geared to solve problems. So if you're laying there and you're not communicating and you're not giving him everything he needs so he can win, he's you're now a problem to solve. So he's just going to go for what he's known, which worked 10 years ago, five years ago. No one's complained because I probably faked it or didn't say anything, but that's all he knows. And that's an an opportunity to give him the ability Mm -hmm. and the chance to really step into his masculine. I love it. I've never thought of it like that. We inspire, the feminine inspires the masculine to rise. And I tell you what, any woman, we, all of us women know when a man rises in his masculine masculinity, when he takes care of the container, when we have given him everything he needs to know so that he can win with you, he will fucking go to the ends of the earth to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We inspire the masculine to rise. The ma- the masculine fuels the world through the feminine. If we're not giving them anything to truly feel, and I don't mean like you don't get oh, well, I'm going to get pissed off because he didn't, then it, all what he feels is rejection. What he feels yeah. is he's not winning. Or so sucking that, it up and saying thanks and then talking shit about it to your friend the next shit day. about it. Uh-huh. And also that's going to show up as trauma for him. That's going to show up as shutdown for him. How can he trust any woman when every woman he meets is staying fucking silent and now you're pissed off with him, yet all of the other 15 women he's been with in the last two years haven't said anything either. So He's now approaching you and being in a situation with you just as all of the others have been. So it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? No one's ever been able to answer that. (laughs) And we can't answer the correct answer for the masculine and feminine either. We just need to do our part. (laughs) Uh, It's so beautiful. And I am learning so much from you. This excites me when this happens with with a guest. Ooh, food for thought. So (laughs) I, I love that. And a lot of this starts with knowing what you want, which starts Mm. with one of my and our favorite topics, self-pleasure. A lot of the listeners out there are single and may or may not be having casual sex, but regardless, they're outside of of relationship. Mm -hmm. So why is being single a good time to just explore pleasures for pleasure's sake and also either for the first time or a revival of the pleasures of masturbation. Mm. It's even getting back to that part of like your pleasure is your own responsibility. If you, if you are someone that hasn't really experienced your own body in the depth of orgasm and you haven't experienced it on your own, then trying to show someone, we're not talking about teaching, you show your invitation to the other needs to be cultivated. There's also why are we waiting before someone validates that we're lovable enough because they think it that we then have pleasure. I mean, we're also raised in a mm-hmm. culture it's like you can only receive <laughs> the accolades of success as long as you're in a relationship. And we're part of this huge revolution that's going, that doesn't work. Yeah, that's dogmatic. And why do I need to miss out? So our own 
Self-pleasure is around dopamine. It's around our health. A woman, I mean, look, if we're going to speak straight to women, it gets rid of belly fat. So why are you waiting <laughs> to be in a relationship? Oh, uh, yeah, I get didn't know that. Um, can we pause the show, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my exercise today. When people say, do you work out? I'm like, yeah, on my back. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, that actually makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. For sure, that makes sense. Oh, cool. So the cortisol, because, you know, a lot of the belly uh, the belly that women have has to do with lack of mm-hmm. sleep. Cortisol, I didn't know that. Cortisol because of lack of sleep. So the dopamine and the oxytocin flushes that out. Um, also too, it's like, why, why would we wait for someone that we haven't met yet that we hope exists and we can go down into actually what's happening for men in the culture now it's getting, the reality is, <laughs> you know, that the men are going through a huge, they're going on a downward turn and coming, they're going to come through a huge awakening around, you know, for themselves of being men in the world and what it means for them too to be responsible for their own sexual energy. But I that's probably so. my son's generation and I am waiting for, I am into younger men, but I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. to grow up. Oh, fascinating. Like, it's not up to someone else to validate our passion, our happiness, our pleasure, our fun in life. Um, yeah. And there's too, like you get in a relationship and, and what happens if that's a big work in progress and you're still not having pleasures. Like I didn't come to this earth to exist and suffer and blub along, you know? It's like, yeah. I mean, same. Same. If someone, what would you say though, uh, to a man or a woman, I'm guessing that this is a little more prevalent, prevalent with women, but I could be just being really ignorant right now. But, um, what would you say to someone who says it just doesn't do it for them or they can't, you know, get aroused without a partner, which are also things that I hear. I love this question because most people have never heard of the erotic blueprints. Most of us don't understand that our nervous system tritates to arousal in different ways, just like we have different love languages. I mean, most people are very um, familiar with the love languages. Yeah, the five languages. Cool. So we'll go over to the erotic blueprint right after, uh, right after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we understand how our nervous system arrives to arousal, when someone's saying it doesn't do it for me, we got to look at the messages we received you know I was with a client yesterday and she was sharing something and it's like my first question was so how is your relationship with your mother and of course straight away everything comes up of what she saw with her grandmother (laughs) her mother and it's like no wonder you think this way and she'd never thought of that so we've got to look at how we were raised what how is happening what was set in our primal brain, which is set from the moment we conceive to when we're seven, eight, the meaning of being loved, which means we are belong, which means we're safe. All of that, those three things lie in how we do life. So where have you learned that your pleasure is only worth something if someone gives it to you? It's beautiful. Um, it's yeah. It's like we dress ourselves, we feed ourselves. We can research and work out what food works for us, what workouts work for us if we want, what car we want. Pleasure is no different. But if it's in our primal brain that it needs to happen through someone else, then we have a neural pathway set, which can neural pathways are 
I shouldn't say so easy. I'm not going to say so easy. It's not like, you know, just getting a pen and writing it down. Neural pathways are able to be reset. This is what the Taoists and the Tantrics have been teaching for thousands of years. Um, so you can shift and change it, but you need to understand where it was set first. So not doing it for ourselves also comes into, you know, are you getting the sex? Have you ever had the sex? that really nourishes you? Yeah, that's a good question because I know from my experience speaking with people about this, a lot of the times if this is how they feel about self-pleasure, they're often not satisfied with a partner either. So because you brought it up a a couple of times, let's dive into the erotic blueprint. This is becoming a little bit hotter of a topic right now. It's something that I am personally really interested in, in studying. I don't know, maybe my year is going to be 2023 for, for diving into this. Mm -hmm. What is the erotic blueprint? And I'll just start, I'll just Mm -hmm. end with that. (laughs) The erotic blueprint is, it's your own personal pleasure map and your language on how your nervous system tritates to pleasure. So just as the love languages, there's five of them, you know, how you give and receive love. There's five erotic blueprints that uh, articulate how your nervous system arrives to pleasure. So there's a quiz that you can do, um, and the five erotic blueprints are energetic, sensual, sexual, kink, and shapeshifter. So often, you know, when we, let's just go straight into sexual, a sexual blueprint is basically what our society has demonized but also accepts <laughs> as how sex needs to get done. So you look at the porn industry, sex is P and V, which means penis right. and vagina. Um, we're going straight for orgasm, not to, not to 100, and it is like from A to B, and that's what we're doing. We've got to, we're racing towards that. It's ejaculatory. It's visual, which is why the porn, in, you know, the porn industry is um, completely you know, evolved around the sexual blueprint. Energetic, uh, energetic blueprint the superpower of the, and, and I just want to, with the sexual, there's, I'm not demonizing that using those examples. It's just that it's so accepted that when someone says, I can't reach orgasm, I'm not turned on, I'm not getting the sex that I, oh, that just doesn't, I don't enjoy sex with that person. It's like everyone's kind of running through this picture because we're fed. We see it in movies. I mean, no woman's body is ready for sex, but what a movie, even half of the, like, you know, a TV show even runs, a, a 30 minute TV show, your woman's not ready for sex, but like, boom. It's happened. So we've visualized that. And so women are going, there's something wrong with me. He's kissed me passionately. Why can't I have penetration? Totally. <laughs> so the sexual blueprint is really, it's fed, it's shoved down our throats, but we're still not given enough information about it, how the body works. Um, energetic. The energetic superpower is, oh, my God, we can have, we, I'm a shapeshifter, so I move through it all. So I'm going to say we, I, for all of them. Um, the energetic has orgasms just across the room from their lover if they're breathing really deeply and there's a really deep penetrative eye gaze and there's been foreplay beforehand in like wording and text message and suggestion like they can combust in orgasm and squirt all over the floor at a dinner party while that person is on the other side of the room breath work when we look at medicine circles when we look at um tantra the tantric realm is often a lot of people believe that tantra is just all energetic it's not there's you know tantra is a lot deeper and wider than that yeah but many people view tantra people dressed in white eye gazing like all of this safety and 
you know, two people that are really highly energetic can sit and eye gaze and freaking combust into orgasmic bliss for the next five hours for the next three weeks. You know, it's like it's so that is a superpower. The shadow of an energetic is often about, you know, someone who is energetic but not understanding that they're in shutdown because boundaries are being crossed. They're receiving touch too early. They're like, you know, even hugs from partners, hugs from friends, but people are too close to them because the nervous system of an energetic will often need like, okay, <laughs> let me just breathe. You're in the house. Let me just breathe and, uh, you know, acclimate to that and come closer, come closer. Um, you know, going straight into being touched and having their breasts touch when they, they actually need to connect first and they need to breathe and there needs to be silence uh, and energetic sometimes too for wording is like if someone's someone's a sexual and they're full, full power, boom, 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 they'll be talking really fast and the energetic's like, but then they're in their head going, something's wrong with me. That's my partner. And then they ended up with a numb, like we have numb vaginas and men with erect, I've worked with men that say I've got erectile dysfunction He's done the quiz. He's an energetic. And it's like, you're just, it's, he doesn't have erectile dysfunction yeah. at all. It's, oh, why not try this first? Why not do some breathing? A little warm up. Yeah, a little, yeah. all of that stuff. Then we have the sensual. And the sensual is the five senses. It's that, mm, what things taste like, smell like, look like, feel like, sound like, you know? So it's just being so enriched in life around, you know, the sensuality of everything around them. Uh, the the sensual needs to really come down into the body. Like there's a quiz that the shadow of the sensual is there's something's off that is like, oh my God, <laughs> like you're making love with someone and they're essential and you've got a playlist going on and then the song changes. A sexual is not going to hear it. A kink might not hear it either if they're in a scene, but a sensual is like, <laughs> And, you know, the cop might get soft or the vagina's mm-hmm. like, and she'll jump off and go, oh, my God, I've got to change the song. And the person's huh, like, okay. where the fuck are you going? <laughs> the essential is like, oh, my God, that is off. I can't relax. They walk into the house and the partner's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't wait. You know, I'm so glad that you're home. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And the essential's like, oh, my God, there's dishes in the sink. I can't sit and be present with you until I've washed the dishes or until mm-hmm. you've done the dishes. It's like they're in violent screams at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they've got to come into the body. And the kink. <laughs> Look at me. You can't see it, Elizabeth. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun one. <laughs> yes. And to me, it's a really important one to bring into our culture and society because up until it's either the late 80s or the late 90s, any person that admitted that they were kinky, in the US at least, I don't know if it was in Europe and in Australia, probably, especially in Australia, but they could be um, uh, admitted into mental hospitals like it was a mental instability. Okay. Yet. The kink blueprint has the most mentally stable people involved because it's around conversations, set up, boundaries and consent is the pillar of the kink um, blueprint of kink play. This is one thing, and, you know, I think we talked about it on Fifty Shades of Bullshit, the one thing that is so frustrating for me and and is kind of frightening in a way, Um, the amount of people on dating sites going, 
I'm a bull. I'm a dom looking for my sub. You don't go out and look for your sub. You get. Oh, this is a really good point. And um, just so you know, I'm actually recording an episode with a friend next week called "Let's Get Kinky." So Mm. um, (laughs) uh, definitely know, listeners, that that we will be following this this discussion up with some more some more specifics. But thank you for mentioning that because I have seen that a lot as well, and also had people just full on approach me like I'm Mm. a dom and you seem like you'd be a really good sub. At what point? From a photo? No. I know, totally. I mean, the Mm. thing, next time someone asks you that, go, awesome, can you please send me your 200-question questionnaire so I can let you know what type of sub I am? And if they go, it's like, yeah, you have no idea how to be a dom. A dom is chosen. What are they doing to elicit your trust? A dom is fully trusted. Why? Because they have proven it, he or she. You know, it's a, a state of proving It's a state of cultivating trust. Uh, They are showing you that they can be trusted and there's going to, you know, this can happen in one session. If you're going to a dom, say you have, um, you're going to hire someone for a a dom session, you don't just walk in and yam, you've got your, you've got the ball gag in the mouth or anything like that. (laughs) That's such a good point. It's also about a lot more than any physical, you know, toys oh or my, equipment. Mm-hmm. Kink, p- kinks, yeah. same as energetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's psychological kink, there's physical kink. Many kink scenes are done fully clothed, mm-hmm. done across countries. You can be kinky and have a sub or a dom that lives in another country mm-hmm. and you are playing out these scenes, playing out these, um, you know, containers that you have created together. Three boundaries and consent. So kink is, and also what is kink? Kink is anything that's not normal to you. So the kink blueprint is endless. There is no end because what is kinky to you is going to, may not be kinky to someone else. You know, I've worked with a Mormon couple years ago in Costa Rica. They left the sect. They, They wanted a life change. So they brought their five kids down to Costa Rica. And for them, kinky sex was in the middle of the day when the kids are at school oh. on a couch, like the, the amount of, well, first of all, fear for him, but she was so excited and we worked with him about like, you know, what he needed to feel, you know, he had to place in his boundaries what he needed so he could give that to her so he felt safe. So once he knew that he had his container of safety, you know, they were having sex in the middle of the day and walking around the house with no clothes on, you know, they knew that the kids are not going to come home for a certain time. So, you know, all of those things, don't come to me at 2 p.m. when the kids are coming home at 3, mm-hmm. come to me, all of that stuff. And that's conversation. Yep. And that is boundaries and consent. So that was really kinky for them. And that was really beautiful and incredible for them to be shifting into that. Yet someone else is like, no, I want to be rope tied. Yeah, I'm ready for the ropes and the whips and the I know, food yeah, and take so <laughs> me to the rafter. You know, so we now need to find a place that's got a strong rafter. And what do I need for aftercare? <laughs> that's the other thing. It's like, you know, what's what's in place for aftercare? When I use the um the safe word, what needs, when I use a safe word, the, I want you to do these things. Mm. When you've got someone in a dating site going, I'm a dom and it's like, <laughs> you're not asking me what my safe word is. And you're already telling me that, you know, you think we're going to be good together. Yeah. like that. Or what type of dom you are. Yeah. There, I'm so glad you're being specific because kink is so mysterious for so many people. And it's mm. um, one reason for sexual health awareness month that I'm doing an, an, an entire episode on it. Um, and then the last being shapeshifter, correct? Shapeshifter. So my teacher fully believes that, and she's the one that created all of this eight, nine years ago, Jaya. Oh, cool. 
Um, oh, okay. That, mm, that we are born all because we're erotic beings. We're actually our innate nature is a shapeshifter. We do move through all of that, but the shapeshifter goes through all of them, which also means the shapeshifter has the shadow of all of them. So because the shapeshifters able like whoever their sexual partner is whoever they're being intimate with however that person is showing up the shapeshifter is like oh I can do that of course I can you know yes I'm comfortable being energetic I'm comfortable doing eye gazing oh I'm comfortable being blindfolded and having chocolate poured all over me and licked off you know by three men I'm very comfortable with that by three men specifically (laughs) you can see where my fantasies are coming from you know and also too it's like the you know the quick fuck it's like yeah like if there's an erotic space and oh my god you know I'm coming to your office right now. Meet me in the bathroom. A shapeshifter can go through all of that. What that means is they are always tritating to what their partner needs often. Yeah. It's about what their partner needs more so than them having their needs met because they're able to. So that is the shadow, but the shapeshifter is like so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> I suspect that I am. And I, it was a fail on my part not to do the quiz ahead of time, but listeners, I will take it and let you know in, either in my introduction or, or here. And I'll let you know as well, Melissa. Yes. Um, thank you so much for explaining that. I, I find it fascinating and probably, I think that is probably applicable to a lot of people. Mm. So I like to bring it back at least once during an episode back to breakups and people who are struggling to get over their breakup. So what would you say, or do you at all think that masturbation, self-pleasure, learning to live a desire led life, how can that help people in the healing process after a breakup? Mm. I think it's a really, it's a very nurturing, caring beautiful way to move through a breakup. I mean, when we're looking at loss, when we're looking at grief, this is the other thing, orgasm and the health of our orgasm is not about joy all the time. I mean, especially Mm. in the feminine body, also for the masculine body, but it's, it's a much deeper understanding and many men are not aware of this, but the female orgasm, the depth of her, what we call the, some people call the G spot, her sacred area is actually the emotional orgasm for for the man that's inside of their anus. It's actually a prostrate gland, this whole thing of a G-spot. It's a prostrate gland and the female has it around her urethra on the inside, the first, you know, in the first part of her vagina up there um, on the anterior wall. The same bit, (laughs) exactly the same tissue, exactly the same type of, you know, type of shape is on the inside of the anus for the man. And that's his emotional orgasm. And they work in the same way, which is, you know, there's no refractory. It's like it goes up and down, up and down. It goes wide. It goes, you know, you can try, you can get angry, you can feel frustration. And if we shy away from that oh my God, I think I'm going to cry. So you close down. You're not moving past that. You're actually staying stuck. Um, And it's so interesting. We're talking about this right now. What I'm noticing this last month, and I'm in a deep, this is also understanding how orgasm works in the body. I've just this year walked through the purple tent. So being 50, for me, I've stopped bleeding. Now it's a very, very dark winter coming into that. something else we don't talk about. It's like, how do you think she's going through menopause out? The winter of coming into menopause, you know, leaving the bleed behind, we also shed, we shed, you know, our lives thus far. 
uh, the dark winter is to really look at things that are not working or the things we haven't processed yet. Yeah. Um, so for me and myself, pleasure practice is this last month, six weeks, no matter how fucking exquisite and my eyes are rolling back in the back of the head, then come the tears and the sobbing. And I haven't had that for a few years, you know, it's like a few years ago through shift and change, I found I was crying a lot after my orgasm or during, and then after the cry, there's absolute peace and joy. But also as a woman coming walk through the purple tent, this is what my body, this is my emotional being, my physical being, my spiritual being all together. This is how it's processing. So if I was to close that off and I speak to so many women, they go, oh yeah, no, I don't cry. Yeah. I have those feelings and I shut down and then they're not having orgasmic experiences going, oh, I'm broken. It's like, no, you're stopping yourself. You know, the, the point of the emotional orgasm is to release grief, fear, because epigenetic science is true. You know, science is proving all of this, but they still won't talk about sex, <laughs> proving that epigenetics, we bring on trauma from our mothers, from our grandmothers, our ancestors. It is designed to be released through orgasm. It's the point of orgasm is to move, move energy. So if we're holding it down, we're clamping it down, then you're going to stay like that. So some, when you've gone through, you're going to keep that in your body, in your myofascia, sorry, um, issues are in your tissues. So going through a breakup, and not touching your body, removing yourself from yourself, going inward and depressed, that is not going to shift out of your body. It's going to yeah. stay in your cells, like your grieving will stay in the cells. So it'll take a lot longer to move through it. And then when you do find someone else two, three years down the track, it's still in your body. Mm -hmm. If you're holding on, you know, you're like all of these walls we put around ourselves come from not moving through for many different reasons. One of them being, we're not moving through, we're, you know, emotion in motion. Well, do you think that processing these things through masturbation is about setting an intention or just kind of seeing what happens? Um, I practice sex magic. So often, you know, I set a container just for myself, set an intention ahead of time. I use it as a manifesting tool, as some people will be aware of. And some people are just going to have their minds blown by that just now. So, <laughs> um, but I don't, I guess I don't necessarily use it to process pain out of me. So what would you suggest as a practice? for using masturbation to move pain out of your body. Mm, so speaking about the female body, uh, yoni, yoni crystal eggs, Ooh, uh, okay. crystal one. So, you know, it depends how deep, like how affected you feel by the breakup. You know, obsidian is incredible crystal to clear. Jade Perfect. is incredible crystal to clear. Great. If you're needing something softer, you use rose quartz. Um, definitely you can do it either way. It's like, it's not, if you don't do it one way, then you're not doing it. I mean, just go with the flow. Yes. Using Perfect. orgasm, you're shifting, you're filling your body with dopamine, you're shifting the energy in your cells. So life does change and shift. Setting an intention is fucking beautiful, especially on the dark moon, the day before you bleed, mm -hmm. um, the week coming up before you bleed, the dark moon in the sky, you know, the, the dark moon before the new moon. They are incredible times to be going inward, really allowing yourself to be in the underground, using your orgasm to release, burning pieces of paper that you write stuff on whatever you can do it as in depth as that suits you or as simple that suits you which is just like oh my god you know like I just can't let go of this person and have uh you know okay 
spirit show me, you know, and just, and have an orgasm to, to go, I want to release just, we're often going for the big bang. It's like, I want to release that person. It's like, <laughs> I want to release. It's not going to happen in 27 minutes, love. Like seriously, it's like, you know, show me the next step, you know, when we go. Perfect. And that's oh, I keep using that word. Perfect. Cause I'm just into this. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, my pleasure. Mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, like I said, learning things as I go. And I thought that all of that was, was brilliant and definitely needing, I'm, I'm going to speak to you after because I'd like to know where is a good place to source some of these, some of these eggs because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, my heart started pounding, which is the turn on when something resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. So thank you. So, so I mean, we can talk about it afterwards, but I can, we can also yeah. include the link in. I have a, a, a woman that I work really strongly with because she has been to all the women's collectives that she sources her like so in brazil and here in mexico she's in the state she's in the state Mm -hmm. of new york um her and i taught have taught on and off through costa rica vancouver in the u.s and online over the last six years um and i really stand behind her product because i know she knows where she sources them from and she's met the women and all of that stuff so it's like as long as we yeah that's great. And I'll include, so it's like, let's be integral about it. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's why I'm asking. And I will include the info in my intro as well so that people can make sure to get it. And just so everyone knows what it is that we're talking about is there's lots of um, very unethical, harmful practices that go in to mining or collecting many of the gems that you find in your quote unquote standard gem store. So thank you. That's important to me. And I would encourage anybody, if this resonates with you to check the source of of your stones. Mm -hmm. Does anything stand out to you as far as single people in your practice and maybe like a theme or a pattern or something that you more see in single people struggling with? There's three things going on right now. Straight away, men came to mind. So you know, when a man cultivating his own energy, if he's wanting to be in a new relationship, he's wanting to have not even a full-time relationship. He wants to have a lover. It's like, what is your offer? What are you offering them? So, you know, heartbreak or being resentful or being pissed off about a breakup, taking that into the next one is it's, you know, you're going to get what you're creating. So the masturbating, uh, harnessing their own sexual energy, number one, is really fucking powerful. It makes you more trustworthy and it makes you this powerhouse in your business and your work. So really supporting men that it's not about finding a woman for you to have sexual pleasure. You need to cultivate your sexual pleasure, understand your body, learning. It's the major thing that the majority of my coaching is teaching men about the female body, about cervical orgasms, about the A spot, about the U spot. Like men just look at me and go, huh? It's like, I know where the clitoris is. It's like, yeah, but you know, even teaching men how big the clitoris is. But also do you? (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, And all of the different ways, but also for many men, it's like, what are your desires? What do you want? And they're like, oh, yeah, but, I, you know, men that want to take the well, I want to throw the woman up on the wall and hold her up and fuck her wide open. It's like, well, what are you doing to create the safety? And how uh, how is that offer being cultivated? If you want to hold a woman up against the wall and fuck her wide open, how trustworthy are you? How can she surrender and trust? So where are you taking the lead? If you're going to take her out for dinner and expect her to pay half, but then you want to take the lead in the bedroom. It's like, buddy, that doesn't fucking work. If you're yeah. not going to pick her up, you're not going to send a yeah. car 
she's got to meet you. You're not, you haven't even inquired what type of food she eats, but you want to fuck her and mm. you want her to surrender to you and open her legs and, and be so open towards you. You've done, you know, it's, it's letting men understand what taking the lead means. How, I mean, I never have a man going, I'm not doing it. They're like, tell me more because they're not often shared this in general media and general family conversation. Um, so it's really supporting them to cultivate that in themselves with their friendships even and in their workplace and their mission so that their whole their whole system, spiritual, physical, mental system, has something that a woman's just like, like she's like dribbling yeah. going, who are you? You know, and for them to be really empowered to cultivate that themselves. For women, it's understanding their body. And many women that I work with, also have a really deep misunderstanding. Like they're emasculating men, consistently emasculating men, and then getting pissed off that men are not showing up for them. And so a lot of my work is supporting women and teaching them what emasculation looks like, how to actually talk towards the masculine so that, because the men, men want to protect and service and provide for us. That is their innate nature. And yet we're always cutting it off. You just have to watch the majority of family dynamics everywhere, how yeah. our mother and our aunties and grandmothers treat our grandfathers, fathers, brothers, how boys are raised differently to women, all of this stuff, all of the, the snide remarks are the consistent. We, we create what we receive at the end of the day, but we're not taught the language of the masculine because they are completely opposite to us. And how do we elicit that? So many women are like, Oh my God, you know, I just want a man to show up and know what he's doing. Yet the way that many women operate is like, well, you're only attract the way that you're operating is attracting the men that have no idea what they're doing. Cause that's, that's the only thing they know and you know. So when we shift their energy um, and do the work on emasculation, do the work on trust, how to, how to elicit trust within a relationship, things can like <laughs> yes I agree and I do think some of it does you know sometimes start from people's first interactions with each other the first date we did an episode on first dates ages ago and we got tips or from people what they thought their rules were and some women said never let him pay on the first date and I'm like well if he wants to step into that you know and on the very first date you're gonna cut that off you know, may, you know, maybe that's not really setting the best foundation of, you know, letting him step up and, and spoil you and, and take the lead a bit. It's such an, actually, I'd love to dive deep into that. When, when a woman's saying, don't let him pay, what is it that she, so straight away, she doesn't trust him straight away. She's yeah. dismissing him straight mm -hmm. away. She's emasculating yeah. him, then requiring him to look after, you know, look after the space, yeah. but in, okay. So that's that, that's just that, you know, surface level. What is it in the feminine that she that she, what does it mean? Many women believe it. Oh, he's going to think I'm weak. Mm -mm. I have done public. I used to in Costa Rica at the festival and vision. I used to hold huge workshops. We're speaking to three to 500 people in small red tents. <laughs> Everyone would three to 500 people in small red tents. There's, yeah. Well, that's the thing is they kept putting me in the red tent and everyone's wanting me on the big stage. So they would just come and rip the sides of Girl. the tent. Up. The men would come in. Like it was a huge thing of, like, to, to envision festival. Going, Why do you have Melissa in this freaking red tent? Men. They learned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took them a few 
three years, they finally put me on a stage. Well, you can't be um, contained. That's obvious. I cannot be contained. <laughs> and I tell you what, the public will not allow it. One, this one, the one festival I'd done, two workshops that I had spoken already twice, and by the third one, it was just insane. I actually switched up my talk because I could just feel whatever, because people were stopping me all the time asking these questions. So I did this, uh, I asked this question to all of this, all of these women. There was men in the in the audience. You know, what did it mean to them to surrender, to let go, to let the man open the door, to allow the man to pay rent, dinner, whatever it is? All of them, Canadians, Americans, all put up their hand going, uh, I've lost my power. It means I'm not powerful. It means he won't respect me. It means that um, he will think less of me. And it went on and on and on. And I could feel the men. All of their eyes are widening. And I went, and so then I went, okay, I would love to see a show of hands of men that are willing to come up on stage, a group of men. So about 15 men, 13 to 15 men came up, ranging from 17 years of age to 50, 52 years of age. Yeah, they all came up. So you've got you've got 21-year-olds, 28-year-olds, 30, 40, all, all of the decades, yeah, to a 17-year-old. Every single man just stood there going, you have no idea, women, none of that is going on. If a woman, the 17-year-old said, if a woman says yes to me, are you serious? I'm going to protect that. I want to make sure she has the best. And he's 17. You can see there was not a dry eye in the tent. All of these men are just leaning in going, what has happened that you think that, and one man said, how could you think that we think you're weak? My mother fucking birthed me out of her vagina. No man's ever going to do that. He goes, there's no, there's no, you know, like he was just uh, like. I mean, do you think that some women today, we've gotten to the point where maybe women think that's what a man wants to hear? Is that we, we might not want them to step up or let them step up because they'll think we're weak? Or do you think women really think that? We've been, ever since the, um, you know, the feminist movement, fucking amazing because we get recognized for our work. What it's also done is it's made us compete. We've been demanded to be in masculine energy to just to have a seat at the table. So women are running around in masculine energy, which means we're in competition to the masculine. Being in competition to the masculine does not create intimacy. It does not create eroticism or no. polarity. So then we also have an epidemic. Everyone's talking about the org- orgasm gap and they keep blaming men, the orgasm gap, because women are running around in masculine energy and don't even know their own bodies. They won't surrender. They want to be in control. They want to take take over in this power play with a man they're trying to have sex with. Yeah. It's like (laughs) the boardroom and the bedroom are two completely different arenas. And if you're going to treat it the same, you're not going to have deep, no woman's going to get to cervical orgasm by being in control. Most women will not have G-spot orgasms either. I keep saying that because everyone knows it, it by that name, but it's not that. The prostrate gland, the sacred area orgasm. Some women can, like it depends where it's positions. Also, you know, how is their, you know, erotic blueprint, all of that stuff. Um, You can have it on one night stands, definitely. But receiving deep penetrative orgasm in the way that our body's made to surrender into orgasm, if you're in constant masculine energy, constant control, you're running around in competition, you can even see it in, it's that thing. It's like the man goes to pay and you go, no, no, I can do that. 
competition. Now, now you're a mate. Cause what, what do two guys do at a bar? Let me pay. No, I'm going to pay. Like the father That's of my child, said, so. Jesus Christ, all I could ever see is him and, and men were going like this. And I would just walk out and go, you guys fucking sort it out. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to sit outside of the restaurant because I, you know, these guys, they have to one up on each other. So then that's the moment. And if you watch what happens to the chest mm. of a man, the nuance of how he sits back and then he's not so present in the conversation, the moment you've come in and he fucking knows. Yes, I have seen, I know exactly what you're talking about physically a little smaller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now he's smaller. And then you're pissed off because he won't throw you around the room. (laughs) You have not elicited one bit of trust from him that you're going to allow him to do that. And man's women also this thing about, Men, men don't have these hard shells around them. It do, a woman can cut a man down to size within three words and then she'll kind of boast about it. But she can fucking cut a man in half. She can cut his testicles off with just three words, two words, just a look, mm-hmm. a dismissal yeah. of allowing him to provide. When I say provide, I'm not talking always about housing, but just provide leadership, you know. And then we're pissed off. I'm so under fat. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate yeah, that you're just putting it into these terms because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle to to conceptualize. And so I really love that you're so unapologetic about it as well. I'm a big <laughs> fan for if a man asks you out, mm-hmm. you know, then I think, you know, let him let him step up. And I think it sets, actually sets a good foundation to, mm-hmm. um, you know, see how he um, approaches uh, paying the bill. So... I wanted to get into something that I saw on your Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I help people overcome loneliness and also get used to spending time alone as a portal for self-discovery, increasing mm-hmm. confidence, all sorts of things that long-term help to create healthier, happier, more sustainable relationships with yourself and others. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, I would like to read something. From your Instagram, everybody, please, please, please go follow the Mm. Pleasure Studios. Um, She's great. She's powerful. So you were talking about mistakes, mistakes I see couples make. Mm -hmm. Okay. yeah. And you said men not spending enough time alone. By this, I don't just mean, quote, hanging out with others. Time alone is exactly that. Silence. Yes. In meditation, in deep contemplation, but also out in nature. We're mm. being focused on something that just involves you and not work. Alone mm. time matters every single day, every single week, every single month. Mm. Make a commitment to go away on your own for a weekend in nature, mm. in a cabin, on a lake, just somewhere away from distraction and your relationship. So first of all, if you didn't think that people were reading your Instagram posts, (laughs) I read most of them and I, it stood out to me. I, again, it was one of those turn on moments where it just made so much sense. I don't know that I've heard too many people talk about the importance of men um, spending time on their own. And so I would just love you to maybe talk about what you wrote here, why it's so important, mm-hmm. how it can help with possibly your single journey, enjoying your single journey, but also what this means for future relationships. Mm, thank you. Yes. 
Oh, <laughs> there's so many parts. First of all, in a relationship, what's missing is the missing. You are two separate people cultivating a third entity. A relationship is not one. Finding the one. Can we just get rid of that toxic belief? I'm going to find the one, become one, find my better half. You are not half a thing that needs to find its other half like a jigsaw puzzle. And also, too, what's the attraction when we get attracted towards someone? They are this whole entity that we're attracted to. If we become one and we enmesh ourselves, we lose all of that. So what's missing is the missing. So even with women to go and hang out with your girlfriends, do your own thing, like spending. I'm I'm an advocate. Like the first thing I ask couples that I work with is how many meals how many dinners a week do you have together? <laughs> They're like, oh, every night. And I'm like, okay, that's going to have to change. How many breakfasts <laughs> do you have? Uh, oh, every morning. I'm like, oh my God, do you guys ever do anything? <laughs> like joking. Yeah. So when it comes to men, so we don't, we're not cultivating, this is for eroticism. If you just want to exist and feel consistently safe and just you need the same thing all the time, then we're not concerned about creating eroticism and having a good sex life, you know. That doesn't create eroticism. The men spending alone time apart from the relationship, it's actually necessary just the way that their hormones work. It's a really incredible way to cultivate testosterone. For a man to move forward deeply in his life, he needs that silence that he cultivates on his own without all the noise so he knows the next decisions to make, you know, to move forward. What is the best decision for him and his family? What's the best decision for him in his work? I mean, we're so dopamine overloaded, especially and men now. This is the other thing. In the last 50 years, the whole, um, the way that men experience their bodies and experience blood flow, everything has changed because men are sitting. Men are not designed to sit. We see hmm. it at, you know, we keep shoving five-year-old boys into school. Their nervous system's not actually ready till they're seven to okay. actually slow down and sit. So that's a whole nother gamut of what we do with men. But um, men need to also move and be in silence to cultivate their polarity. The masculine polarity is silence, witness, strength, the depth. Whoever holds the, the deeper breath is holding the masculine polarity. So if you're not cultivating that in yourself, you can't bring it to the relationship. Um, there's also a whole thing around, uh, oxytocin, like men tap out with oxytocin. So this is often too, when you have a look at relationships and the man's kind of like, he's high, he's going, oh God, there's nothing exciting. He's just not excited about anything because he's just got tapped out with oxytocin ages ago, hasn't rebuilt it consistently doing the same thing with you. And then going to work that he's not rebuilding and not, um, resetting his hormones, and the reason when you're reading it, I don't know if you noticed, there was that second part about going out to nature, going away for the weekend. Like, oh, my God, have you – I mean, women, <laughs> you're in a restaurant. You're in anywhere. <laughs> the man walks in with his work boots on and he's been on his own and he's even hunted maybe. Maybe there's like whatever he's done, like whether you believe in hunting or not, whether you're a vegan or not, a man that walks in that has been on his own and he's been out in nature, 
you're fucking gushing, you're on your knees, you want him, yeah, as opposed to the, you know, <laughs> the yeah. guy that spent no time on it. Like we just know it builds polarity. There's nothing sexier I, than a man that's in his fucking bed. He's, he's like, I'm going away for the weekend, babe, you better be like he texts you on the way, drive down from the mountain. You haven't seen him for three days. He's been on his own. He texts you going, I'm three hours away, make sure you're at bed with nothing on. <laughs> You're like, uh-huh. oh yeah. I'm wondering. All the, it occurred to me for the first time that maybe this is why so many women and men find bikers and men who ride motor- motorcycles so attractive is because yeah. yes, of course, they plan trips with uh, some biking dudes once in a while, but a lot of them go up into the mountains on their own and go out for the weekend in nature doing something that takes a lot of skill, completely uninhibited and totally cool with spending the weekend on, on their own. And maybe that's a big part of why that, you know, trope is so appealing to so many of us. Yeah. And the other thing, so first of all, they're unapologetically doing what they want. You've got a family dinner on, you know that you can. So the thing is the masculine energy is being unapologetically taking the time for himself, which means we can't control him which means it's fucking say, oh, yes. he's going to do what he's want, what he wants that looks after himself. It also means when they come back, they're 100% with you. We this is coming back to the, what's missing is the missing. We spend the majority of our existence at the moment all running on. We're all running on fucking 40%. It used to be 60 70%, half mast. We're all fucking underneath the 50%. Like, like we're just like, oh, let's go out for dinner. I mean, go out to a restaurant and look at people at the table. Why the fuck are you there? You're not talking to each other. You're all on your phones. You're shrugging your shoulders. You're looking out the window. Don't go out for dinner as much as you do. Go on your own, read a book, go out into nature and do one dinner a week and make that one dinner a fucking hundred percent. Yeah, leave the panties at home and, leave the and make it count. Start telling her, it's like, babe, here's the location of the restaurant. This is the dress I want you to wear and you have undies on, you're going to be punished. <laughs> yes, I approve. <laughs> you know a bike is going to say that to you, which is why you <laughs> Yeah, I love how you just very easily came up with that. <laughs> I love it. You know what, my friend, and I actually want to share a, a bit of a giggle. I'm, I have this beautiful man in my life on and off and we're... we're We've come back into connection and one of my major questions to him on this weekend was, because everything's so fucking amazing, mm-hmm. so sexual and gorgeous yeah. and erotic, but I'm like, there's one more question I need to ask him. And I said, so do you ride motorbikes? Oh, He's my like, God. Oh, fuck yeah, babe. And I went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> because was that the right answer? I went, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a yes. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. the question. I just said yes. <laughs> like, whatever you want to ask now on. Like, that is the clinker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. That was revelatory for me. <laughs> Melissa, I, you know, I think we should do this again. Totally not kidding. I want to learn more from you. I want to keep in touch, keep collaborating, keep, like I said, keep learning from you. Is there any last thing that you would say to someone who's trying to put their breakup behind you or behind them. I hope it's okay to put you, put you on the spot, but if you'd have maybe one last thing to say to someone and then I'll begrudgingly let you go. (laughs) (laughs) Someone who's trying to put their breakup behind them. Mm. My most simple practice 
is the attitude of gratitude. Yeah. It, everything takes as long as it takes, but when we're sitting, looking at what we don't have, what we're missing, all we're doing is create. I mean, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this all the time. Whatever we're concentrating on, Tantra talks about where we place our attention that grows. The attitude of gratitude is so fucking powerful. Now I'm someone who's come through full on drug addiction full on like losing my house, losing, I've lived in a van, my son and I've lived like the, what I've walked through the fire. Like, I don't just say these things like, Oh yeah, you should do this. For, I remember for three years, my um, gratitude list was basically the same, <laughs> but when I wrote it, cause you wake up and you wake up, what do you do? You wake up thinking about it. You wake up like, da 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 just writing the, the gratitude. You know, I was grateful for my king size bed. I had, I mean, I left this relationship and I took, I was able to take incredible furniture. My friend, yeah, I lived in a warehouse illegally, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. You have you know, been through what it. I had inside of the warehouse was this stuff that I was so grateful mm. for. If my son woke up and reached over and hugged me, I'm like, oh my God, I had a pair of arms around me this morning, like the touch of that skin. The more that you write, you sit in that every moment that you sit, even if it's for three minutes, you sit in three minutes, the next day it's five minutes, the next day it's seven minutes, you expand this attitude of growth and you start to take notice because where you place attention, that will expand, that will grow. So being grateful for um, a few things, the next day it's one more thing and then it's like, oh, the conversation I had, I was grateful for the, per you know, I got the best red apples yesterday. Like it can only expand. It might seem minuscule, but without that, you can't get from A to Z in one jump. You go from A to B, B to C, C to D. And this, you know, even like really big business, people that are really high up in business, they talk about it. What was, I can't remember who the guy's name is anymore. You know, they talk, what's your big business, you know, what's your trick? And he's going exercise. He's oh, going, okay. you know, it's like if you're looking after yourself and you're really happy about it, then you're going to also take that into every meeting that you've got. Like it's not this strategy. It's like who are you? What are you? And Joe Dispenza talks about this with energy and matter in the cells. So having that attitude of gratitude, being grateful for this, falling in love with your future. It's like, oh, God, three weeks ago I had three things on my list. Now I've got 20. It's like, oh, my future's looking bright, falling in love with that, walking into what you actually really love about your life means you will get more of that. And it takes what it takes. It's also not using this freaking whip that we have on ourselves. I should be over it. It's like, well, really? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. yeah. Have you been shit on today? But just taking care of this moment, taking care of the next moment, really looking around like – setting up your bedroom to a place that you really enjoy cleaning up your kit. It's all of the small things to begin with. Yeah. That then create more and start doing things that are different. You know, you want, you want a different result. You need to do something different. There's, you can't just keep on existing in the same way, expecting things to change. Like that's actually a form of insanity. Mm -hmm. You know, Yes, it's like, yeah. yeah, I won't go down that track, but anyway. <laughs> well, I can't wait for our next connection. I thought that those were wonderful, wonderful tips. Have an attitude of gratitude. And if you're really finding yourself stuck in your heartbreak after your breakup, yeah, it's time to switch things up again. It's tried to, it's mm. time to try, try something new. And I also hope that this encourages people to embrace their self-pleasure journey mm. during, during their healing. Before I let you go, I understand that you have a program coming up 
that you're very turned on about. So can you please tell our listeners about it? Mm, thank you. Yes. So on the 3rd of October, uh, I have, I'm in co-creation with a, a co-worker of mine, Alex, who's also an erotic blueprint coach. And he and I have put together an eight week group program called Claim Your Eroticism. And this group program is all about the erotic blueprints, discovering really good ways to expand your invitation towards your partner. Cause that's one thing that I always hear. Do I need to be the same erotic blueprint as a potential lover, as a partner for it to work? And the answer is no. So in this program, we are uh, sharing with, you know, our participants, really great ways to communicate how to get your desires met, how to ask for that, how to create that invitation to really feed yourself and your nervous system in your own blueprint to under, you know, to understand how to expand in other blueprints. So it's, it's a great way to explore all five of the blueprints, understand your own, your partners, and it's actually just going to be loads of fun because pleasure is your birthright. I am sure that p- there are a bunch of people listening right now who have been really excited about a lot of the content of this interview. So if you want to take a deep dive, please mm-hmm. go and check this program out. What is it called and how can people sign up? Yeah, it's called Claim Your Eroticism. And I will put the link down below here and you can just go ahead and, and sign up and jump on in. Right. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Everybody go and check that out. Please share information with me about that so that I can post it in the group, in the social media channels. And yes, I'm sending everybody strength for the week ahead. Thank you again, Melissa, for being here. Everybody go and check out the course. This is a one-off course, right? It is a one-off yeah. course at the moment. Yeah, um, that's we, great. We'll keep on running it in different years, but this is the first time we're running it um, and we're bringing all of our genius into this. So, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. end the year on the right foot. You know, if you're someone who's been healing from a breakup, this sounds like a really, really great way to take charge of your healing and end mm-hmm. 2022 on a really sexy, empowered note. So please go. Oh and my goodness. I love course. that ending 2022 on a sexy and empowered note, because yes, you do not definitely do not need to be, I mean, both Alex and I are single, <laughs> so you do not need to be in a relationship to do this. This is, it's so empowering because then when you're dating, you actually get to pick up on what the potential, you know, this person across the table from you, what their blueprint may be, which means you get to speak in a way that allows them to feel so much more turned on towards you and open to you and safe with you. So it's really exciting. I've got a really good feeling about this. So uh, I look forward to hearing from people who attend and I look forward to connecting with you again, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you so much, honey. It's been so much fun. Thanks everyone. See you next time. Thank you for listening to X-Files podcast. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message through the X-Files Instagram account, and I will personally be in touch to get you started. Remember, if you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.